Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Let me point out that next Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m., we're going to have a special time of prayer, not here, but up on West Mountain. We're going to have a time of prayer. We invite you to come. We're going to be praying for our city, praying for the upcoming year, prayer on the mountain, 4 to 4.30 p.m., West Mountain Loop, Overlook, a beautiful place to lift up Jesus, and I invite you to come and be a part of that. We'll talk more about that as the week goes along, but uh, please put that on your calendar, if at all possible. We would love to have you with us praying together in one accord. Now, we're going to kick this message off with a little game time. Who wants to play a game? You guys want to play? You like games? Okay, well, if you don't like games, we've got some Chick-fil-A gift cards. Now that Chick-fil-A is back open, you don't have to drive to Little Rock. To get the Lord's chicken, you can have it right here in Hot Springs. So I'm going to ask my assistant to stand up. Shorty, come on, stand up. All right, he's going to help us out this morning. He's got the gift card, so he's everybody's best friend. We're going to play Name That Tune. Anybody remember the old show, Name That Tune? Uh, the, the contestants would be there, and they would say, I can name that tune in four notes or five notes or three notes. And what I'm going to do is we're going to go by section, okay? So this section and this section are going to hear the first tune and you're going to do it in three notes okay i trust you you're going to be able to handle this you can you can do it all right then we're going to move on to this section and then these sections over here so this song is just for these two sections and when you hear these three notes if you know what song it is lift your hand and just say it out loud okay and and he's going to take care of you if you're the first one on the on the money okay so let's hit the first song what, what is it Oh, we got it back here. Come on, Shorty. Get that gift card going. All right. See how it works? It's, it's that easy. Yes. Enjoy some of the Lord's chicken. All right. Let's go, man. You're next. Section number two, song. No, hold on. Let's, let, let's, come on. Get down front. All right. Song number two, hit it. Okay. We got a hand right here. Star Wars. Oh, yep. Darth Vader's song. Imperial March. See, it's that easy, y'all. That's right. All right. Okay. Now, song number three, these two sections over here. Let's hit song number three. Sorry, not Ghostbusters. Oh, we got it right here. Jump. All right. It's that easy, y'all. Name that tune. Okay, now we're going to play another game. This one does not entail gift cards. Sorry, we're all out of gift cards for this service. All right. But we're going to play Name That Verse. All right, Name That Verse is exactly like Name That Tune. All right, but instead of giving you three notes, I'm going to give you three words, and you have to tell me what verse from the Bible those three words come from. All right, again, we're going to go to these two sections over here, and the first verse starts with these words. For God so, John 3, 16, yes, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That's like the most famous verse in the whole Bible. All right, good job. Now this section here, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you tell me what? 4.13, Philippians 4.13, good job. Okay, and now we're going to go over here, and I'm going to give you three words from a verse, and you have to tell me what it is. Go and make disciples. Matthew what? 28, 19, right? Matthew, yes, Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all 
nations. Now, there's a reason why we chose those verses and that verse in particular. Because Matthew 28, 19 and 20 specifically, known as the Great Commission, is one of the most important passages and certainly one of the most well-known passages among Bible-teaching people and Bible-believing people anywhere. Let me give you that passage, okay? And I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a powerful passage of Scripture that has impacted churches and Christians for 2,000 years. Years. Listen to what the noted and very famous New Testament scholar Leon Morris said about this passage. No part of the Bible, with the possible exception of the letter to the Romans, has done more to give Christians the vision of a worldwide church. It has sent them to all nations, bearing the message of salvation through Christ, with which uh, we are linked to the responsibility and privilege of obeying his words. And David Platt has said this, Jesus has not given us uh, a commission to consider he's given us a command to obey it is a specific command to make disciples among every people group in the world but also the great commission has impacted our church as well uh, many of you know that three years ago over three years ago we, we shifted the focus with laser-like focus on the great commission at crossgate church in fact our purpose statement which is we make more and better disciples for jesus christ jumps right out of the great commission that's exactly what it is and, and m-a-b-d we we make more and better disciples i'm so fired up about more and better disciples i got the state of arkansas to make me a custom license plate for my vehicle that literally says m-a-b-d so i'm taking our purpose statement all over the place whenever i drive around but not only do we have this purpose that springs from the great commission but we have some priorities at our church we have seven priorities at our church and those priorities are glory truth love prayer community, generosity, and reach. And our reach priority says this. Look at this. God has called us to lead others to love and follow Jesus with a reach that extends from Garland County to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission is our heartbeat. Even in our logo that we adopted over three years ago, look at this. Of course, CG stands for cross gate. But if you read it backwards from inward to outward, it's GC. Great Commission in Garland County, gospel conversations. I'm telling you, every time I drive onto our campus and I see that big CG sign out front, I feel like God says to me, what role are you going to play today in the fulfillment of the Great Commission? Where are you going to have gospel conversations here in Garland County? Where's that going to take place, Phil? See, and, and by the way, just note this too. I hope you've noticed that when we introduced this purpose and these priorities and, and, and this emphasis on the Great Commission three years ago, nothing has changed. We have not changed it to something else. We have not given you whiplash by saying we're going to do this, but now we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. We, God gave us this vision for emphasizing making more and better disciples for Jesus Christ, and we're just continue to row this line and hoe this line until Jesus returns. Because that's what he's called us to do. 
You know, sometimes you, in your workplace, right, have you ever sat around the break room joking with your coworkers, talking about how the boss said, yeah, we're going to do this, but it never happened? Or it, then they said, we're going to do this, and we did it for a little bit, and then it just fizzled out? Right? See, here, here's the challenge, and all leaders know this. Promises without follow-through become punchlines. Isn't that true? It just becomes a joke in the workplace if the boss says, we're going to do this, and then it never happens. Well, I will tell you, this is an important thing for me, for our elders, our pastors, our leaders of this church, that we continue and continue and continue to make more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Now, today we're going to just unpack the Great Commission, and I'm going to give you four words to think about, okay? Just four words. I hope you have a handout there that you received when you came in so you can take some notes. The first word is this, identity. We are disciples, Identity, we are disciples. Now look in verse 16. Clearly there's an emphasis on the 11 disciples, the 11 remaining disciples of Jesus Christ gathered together. But most scholars believe that there were more than just the 11 there. As a matter of fact, you can write this verse down, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. It says that Jesus Christ, after he rose from the dead, appeared to over 500 people at one time. And many scholars believe that those 500 people were also gathered together when Jesus gave the Great Commission. But regardless of whether it was 11 or 500 or whoever knows how much, the fact is they were all disciples. See, that word has a huge meaning to us here at Crossgate Church, so much so that we've even developed a definition of a disciple. You know, less than 2% of all churches have actually gone to the length of saying, this is exactly what a disciple is based on our understanding of the Scripture. Well, I think it's very important to have a target out there because if you don't have a target, you ain't going to hit anything. And so to, to say this is what a disciple is, this is what God wants us to become, is very important. Let me give you that definition if you're not familiar with it. A disciple is a growing follower of Jesus, who lives and loves like Jesus and leads others to follow him. Notice that a disciple is a follower of Jesus, not just a believer. Because it, it's one thing to believe the right things about Jesus, and that's important. But God has called us to be so much more than simply believers, to believe the right things. God has called us to follow Jesus with our lives, walking with him, obeying him, that, that's, that's terribly important. Think of what Pastor Tony Evans has said about this. Look at this. The problem is not that we don't have enough Christians per se. The problem is we don't have enough disciples. God has plenty of people who will go to church, but he's looking for disciples who will bow before the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants you to do and be. That's what God wants me to do and be, to be a follower, a growing follower of Jesus Christ. And he also wants us to become like Jesus. Write this down. To become like Jesus. Now think about our definition. Jesus has called us to live and love like him. That's an important aspect. If, if you're not becoming more like Jesus Christ, can you really call yourself a disciple? Because he's the master. We are the followers. First John chapter 2. I love this passage. Look at this. Whoever says, I know Jesus, in other words, says, I'm saved, oh yes, I'm saved, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. In other words, this is how you know that you're saved, okay? All right, we're back up. 
whoever says he abides in Jesus, in other words, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, oh yeah, I'm saved, I'm born again, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. God calls us to live and to love like Jesus Christ. Period. Exclamation point. That's what God has called us to be. But also, God has called us to lead, right? Follow, become, and lead. Now, that's, that's not just optional equipment. That's not for the, for the deluxe model. This is basic dealer equipment, right? You're a growing follower of Jesus, you're living and loving like Jesus, and you're leading other people to follow him. That, that, that's, that's really the, the, the grounding of the Great Commission, that we are leading other people to take their next step, their first step, in trusting Jesus Christ. That's our first step in our discipleship pathway at this church, as many of you know. Make a decision, either to make a first-time commitment, a faith commitment to Jesus Christ, to receive Jesus Christ personally by faith, or to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Right? That, that, that's a huge part of the Great Commission. Um, this, this is the more disciples aspect of our purpose. We make more and better disciples. We, we have a heartbeat for making more disciples. In fact, I want to introduce a little theme to you. Going into 2024, God laid this on my heart. I know it might sound a little corny, but it's many more in 24. I will tell you, God has placed this on my heart, and I believe God is calling our church to step it up culturally. This, this is not just a sermon series. This is not just a program. This is not just a ministry, but, but, but a cultural uh, permeation of our entire church with an emphasis on, on reaching more people personally for Jesus Christ here in Garland County, not just on the Amazon, not just in Thailand, not just in Vanuatu or, or Uganda or anywhere else overseas, but right here in our community, reaching more people for Jesus Christ, making more, many more disciples in 2024. That's the first word. Here's the second word, duty. Jesus has commanded. Look in verse 18. Verse 18, Jesus kind of flexes his authority just a little bit, doesn't he? Well, a lot bit. He says, all authority has been given to me. That means Jesus is, is the head man. That means Jesus is large and in charge. That, that means Jesus is on the throne, and he has commanded us to make more disciples. Now, I will tell you this. When it comes to kind of this idea of duty, the pendulum has swung back and forth over the years. For many of, for many of us, our parents or maybe our grandparents' generation, for a lot of those people, their, their Christianity was largely seen as a duty. It's Sunday, we got to go to church. It's Wednesday, we're going to church. It's time to give our money to God. It's time to do this. It's our duty, right? Now, the challenge with seeing your faith and your relationship with God as primarily a duty or a responsibility, a couple challenges with that. One, it, it, it causes us to lose sight of the, of the personal relationship of love and compassion that we have with God, all right? The other thing is this, if you see your faith primarily as a duty, then you're going to tend to operate out of fear. Isn't that right? Well, I, oh man, I better go to church or God's going to get me. Man, I better, I better pray today or God's going to get me. I better give my, my, my resources back to God or God's going to get me. Right? He, he's like he's the big heavenly boogeyman. Right? That's where the pendulum was. 
I personally believe in, in recent years the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction where almost every part of the Christian life has now become optional. Well, you know, I mean, we'll just, if we don't have anything else going on, we'll go to church. Or, um, you know, man, if, if we got any money left over at the end of the month after we've, after we've done everything else we want to do, yeah, we might throw a little bit back at God. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, eh, I'm just, it, it's all optional at this point. For many people, that, that's, where, that's where they're at. Okay? Here's, the, here's the goodness of understanding that we do have some responsibilities and duties as followers of Jesus. First of all, duties and responsibilities trump our feelings and our conveniences and our excuses. Isn't that right? I mean, trust me, there are many times when, when I have been able to talk myself into believing that, nah, I don't need to do that, and no, it's not that important and all this, right? I mean, it's just amazing how we, it, it, that's not my personality. We're talking about reaching people for Jesus, talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ, and sharing with them what God has done for us. I'm telling you, it's so easy to talk ourselves out of that for whatever reason. When in fact, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in verse 19, has given us an imperative, a command to go and make disciples. The, the grammar of that verse is a command. It's a command. I will tell you, if your Christianity does not have any room for the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, and there are some things that he has commanded us to do, I'm not sure what kind of Christianity you have. It's a command in the Bible. It, I, Black print on white paper. So there, there is the aspect of duty, a responsibility that Jesus Christ himself, not Pastor Phil, not Pastor Rob, but Jesus Christ himself has told us to go and make disciples. Here's the third word. The third word is this, outward. We must go. We must go. I love that word. Two letters, G-O. Somebody said you can't spell God without G-O. You can't spell gospel without G-O. God commands us, Jesus commanded his disciples to go. Now think about this. We tend to want to live our lives in, in the midst of whatever makes us comfortable, right? Whether it's our, our spaces, mentally, physically, our places, whether as Christians it might be this church campus, or it might be your home, or, or a, little, a little place you've carved out for yourself somewhere else. That just you find it very comfortable. But I will tell you this, it is impossible to go if you're not willing to leave those, those comfort zones. You know what I'm saying? To, to leave the nest, the place that you find comfort. Certainly you can do ministry and, and love people and, 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 and share Jesus within those comfortable settings. But to truly fulfill the Great Commission, we have to be willing to go, to step outside of those settings you know I thought about this just this week God has given us the, the most beautiful church campus has he not I mean just functional beautiful building uh, places and spaces all throughout our campus where, where much ministry is going on and by the way I, I truly feel and Rob haven't been here a few more minutes than I have been I, I would think he would agree with me but I'd be interested to have the conversation I believe that in the history of this church, I'm not sure that this church has ever leveraged the spaces that God has given us more than we're doing right now to make more and better disciples. I mean, in terms of what goes on on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, we are absolutely killing it and crushing it on Wednesday nights with tons of awesome ministry taking place 
from, from the cradle all the way up through all generations. I mean, just I really believe God has allowed us to leverage the resources that we have on our campus to an unbelievable degree, and I'm so thrilled that God is allowing us to do that. But let me point out something. Because we have this unbelievable facility and we're so blessed by it, it is so tempting. Man, it is so tempting to therefore expect people to simply come to us. You know what I'm saying? It is so tempting to simply set back and say, we have built it, they will come. May I tell you something that you may already know? There's not a single verse in the Bible that tells a lost person to go to church. Did you know that? Not a single verse in the entire Bible that tells people who don't know Jesus Christ to come to church. But I will tell you, there's at least one place for sure, and a lot of other places on top of that, where God tells his people to go. To go. Now, again, there's the campus-centric ministry, and there is the community-centric ministry. I'm so grateful that, that on our campus, God is allowing us to do some amazing and wonderful things and, and seeing life transformation. But there's some things coming up, y'all, where we're going to step even further outside of, of this comfortable setting and engage our community on the individual level and the collective level for Jesus Christ. Outward, we must go. We must go. Now here's the last word. The last word is this, culture. All the time, everywhere. So the Great Commission, we, we place a ton of emphasis on verse 19, Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. Unfortunately, we oftentimes forget the last part of verse 20, where Jesus says, I am with you always. For what purpose? What, why is he with us always? Isn't it obvious? So that we can be about his business and be witnesses always, all places, all times, not just a certain part of the week. That's why I say, when we're talking about making more disciples, this is not simply something that, that we're, we're going to do a sermon series on it for four weeks and then we'll forget about it and move on to something else. Or this is, this is a particular ministry that we do on Wednesday nights in one place within the building, but, but everyone else is doing something different. See, it transcends all of that. When we talk about culture, we're talking about something that permeates every aspect, every ministry of our church. Sunday morning, life groups, worship service, Wednesday night gatherings, and, and everything in between. There's an emphasis and a question as every ministry leader at this church needs to be asking themselves, in whatever slice of the pie they're overseeing, how, how, how does God want us to make more disciples in 2024 in this specific context? Again, life group leader, more disciples. Wednesday night, regen, re-engage, men's, women's, all of it. Students, children, how, how does God want us in, in our ministry context to make more disciples? Here's the challenge, okay, here's the challenge. The challenge is this, and I'll be honest, our purpose of making more and better disciples can become very misleading. Because here's what oftentimes happens, and here's how I know this happens, because it happens in my heart as well. People look at what they're doing in church, that, whether it's a particular ministry or, or whatever they happen to be doing, and they say, well, we've got more disciples and we've got better disciples. Is this particular ministry that we have going on, is this, is this a more disciples or a better disciples? 
right? And most of the time, what people will say is, well, what we have going on is really a better disciple. We're, we're, we're taking Christians and helping them to go deeper with the Lord. That's wonderful. But see, see what's happening there. We, we're developing a, a false dichotomy. It's either more disciples or it's better disciples. Friends, I want to tell you, every single thing we do at Crossgate Church, and I need to remind myself of this on a daily basis, every single thing we do has an aspect to it whereby we can make more disciples and call people to follow Jesus for the first time. That's true. And, and, and we so oftentimes forget that because every single human heart, is Christian heart, let's put it this way, is going gonna, is gonna to default toward making better disciples rather than more disciples. Okay? Now, let me give you three premises that, that undergird a culture of Great Commission culture in a church, specifically a culture that's committed to making more disciples. Okay, here, here's the first thing. Soul consciousness. Soul consciousness. Soul consciousness is basically this assumption and premise that every single person you meet, whether it's someone that you know and you run into them, or it's just a stranger on the street, every single person you meet falls into one of two categories. Every single person saved or lost every single person there's no in between there's no third separate category that's it every single human being that you ever meet is either saved or lost and a church with a culture of of of, of more disciples wherever you go anywhere in hot springs traveling it doesn't matter you could be on the other side of the world this principle remain the same every single person you meet is saved or lost start your day and pray and say, God, help me to have that soul consciousness. That, that we're just, this is the basics. Give me that soul consciousness today and help me to be mindful that every single person I meet is either saved or lost. Here's the second thing. Second thing is this. Never make an assumption about anybody's spiritual condition. Right? If, if, if every single person is either saved or lost... One of the problems that goes on in most of our hearts, to include my heart sometimes, is I tend to assume that someone is saved because, well, they, they come to Crossgate Church or they talk, they talk about God sometimes. There, there's a guy at work and he talks about God sometimes, so therefore I guess he must be saved. Never make an assumption about anybody's spiritual condition unless you know. And, and you've heard that person make a profession of faith, a saving profession of faith by the, by the grace of God by faith. Okay. Never make an assumption. Life group leaders, I think some of you life group leaders would be shocked if you sat down and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with some of the people in your life groups and asked them just the basic questions of assessing where they're at with the Lord. You would be shocked that some of the people in your life groups have never trusted Christ. I'm not saying they haven't been to church. I, I'm not saying they don't have a religious background, but they've never really gotten their salvation settled. I, I, think, I think some of you would be shocked I think some of you would be shocked if you sat down and talked to your kids or other people within your sphere of influence where you've just been assuming that, yes, of course this person's a Christian. But if you actually sat down with them and really got down to the basics, you would find out this person, this person has never gotten their salvation truly settled. So again, this is something, again, at every ministry point, I, I've been leading the men's ministry on Wednesday nights. And there's men who will be down in there on Wednesday nights beginning this Wednesday night. And I've got to make sure that I'm not making an assumption about anybody's spiritual condition in that room because some of those guys, I don't know them that well, right? Now, the worst thing that could happen is I simply sit down with them and they say, you know, I trusted Christ and this is how I was saved and so forth. Wonderful. 
But I will tell you, I think as a church, we are, and it starts with me as a pastor, we are operating off of way too many assumptions about people within our midst. Have they truly been saved? If so, praise God. If not, let's be very clear and help them to make that, make that most important decision of their entire lives. Now, here, here's the third thing. Third thing is this. Always look for a way in to a person's life. Always look for a way in to a person's life. We're so busy. We are so busy. You know, our schedules are so packed that if, that if an opportunity presented itself to get into somebody's life, most of us would see that as an inconvenience. I don't have time for that. I, I, I don't have time for this person. But God is going to create opportunities for us to get into people's lives, not get out. Man, I'll tell you, several years ago, I went to the Billy Graham Museum there in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is unbelievable. If you're ever in that area, you've got to go. But the tour guide was telling us about um, some of the ideas that Billy Graham had that never worked out. You know, Billy Graham was just an unbelievable evangelist, uh, just had a passion and a heartbeat for people to come to know Jesus. And I said, okay, tell me about what, what's an idea that Billy Graham had, just an over-the-top idea that he had, where, where he wanted to get into somebody's life with the gospel. And this guy said, Billy Graham, and he said, this is no joke. Billy Graham had an idea, and this is back probably in the 1960s, 70s now, okay? This is a while ago, of, of creating kind of a, a portable television set, self-powered with a battery and everything. And he wanted to record a video of someone sharing the gospel in the language of a tribe somewhere in Africa or South America. I mean, he had an ideas all over the world to, for doing this. And he wanted to record somebody sharing the gospel in the local language. But you talk about an, an inaccessible part of the world, right? It was very difficult for people to get in there. He said what he wanted to do was fly an airplane over these villages, put a parachute onto this device, and parachute this thing down into the village so that when it, when it hit the ground, uh, it would deploy, the TV would come on, and people in the village would hear the gospel. I mean... It, that's an outside the box. I mean, he, he was so intent on getting into people's lives. That's who he was. I will tell you, we have a much easier job, and that's simply to get into the lives of the people that are around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, people, not assuming anything about anybody's spiritual condition and understanding that every single person in your workspace, every single person you meet at a restaurant, every single person you run into in your neighborhood is either saved or lost. You say, Pastor Phil, why, why this? We, we are really drilling down on this today. Why, why are we doing this? Well, let me just give you a very, very practical explanation, and we're going to close this message out. You know, we talk about churches that grow, churches that, 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 that increase in numbers uh, in terms of people attending and so forth, and there's typically two kinds of categories of, of what we call growth. One is called transfer growth. Just write this down. This isn't in the notes. Transfer growth. The other is what's called conversion growth. Okay, transfer growth is when someone is already a Christian and they come to your church because they're looking for a church to attend. Maybe they've moved in from some other state and now they're new to Hot Springs and they're just looking for a good, solid church. Well, I don't think they can find a better one in Hot Springs. I don't know about you, but this is about as good as it gets in Hot Springs. Praise God, right? And so we have people coming who are looking for a church. Maybe there's some people from a church, you know, and COVID kind of shook a lot of things up. Maybe there are some people that just kind of drifted away from church, from a different church, and, and now that COVID has passed, they're looking for a church, and, and sometimes they'll step onto our camp, and, and there's sometimes when maybe there's a church that someone has come from, and quite frankly, I mean, that church is kind of a dumpster fire. 
I mean, just either through poor leadership or toxic environment or any number of things. And they just have truly felt like, hey, God is leading us to find a healthy church. Again, you're not going to find a healthier church than, than Crossgate Church in Garland County. That's transfer growth. Nothing wrong with any of that. Okay, and, we, and, and, and I will tell you that, that we are in, experiencing a very modest degree of transfer growth at Crossgate Church. We, we, are, we, are, we are slowly growing as a church, as, as a, every healthy organization does in terms of transfer growth. Conversion growth is where people are being led to Jesus Christ to make first-time commitments to Jesus Christ, and they're coming and your church is growing because there's more and more people being saved, more and more people trusting Jesus, taking that first step and trusting Christ. Um, I will tell you that from, from, my, from my vantage point, our conversion growth is, is very minimal. Uh, and, and, and God is calling us as a church. I'm telling you, the Lord has laid this on my heart over the last several months. God is calling us as a church to take a good, honest look at what we're doing to reach people and to make more disciples. See, more disciples is ultimately conversion growth, not simply transfer growth. Okay, because we want to see more people trusting Christ. We want to see more people making that first-time commitment. Uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to share uh, what Jesus has done in our lives with a young lady just last night and just talking about the joy of what God gives us through Jesus Christ. You know, I put this up here a moment ago, many more in 24. Don't let this mislead you. This is not about some abstract group of people out there somewhere. This is about your neighbor. This is about my neighbor. This is about that guy at work who seems like the least likely person to trust Jesus Christ. You have no idea what God wants to do in that guy's life. This is about your grandson. This is about your daughter. This is about people in your sphere who don't know Jesus and I'm asking God to start with me to give me a burden for people the likes of which I have never had before a burden for people a burden that that brings me to the place of saying God just please use me fill me with your spirit and please use me to lead others to you this is a go for broke proposition as far as I'm concerned and the question we have to ask ourselves today is this, is Crossgate Church going to be a church that's truly going to make more disciples and lead others to Jesus Christ in, in, in a way that, that, that represents God's power in us, in a way that we see people coming to Jesus, there's no other explanation than it was God who did it. I want to be a part of that kind of church. I know you want to be a part of that kind of church. My heart wants to be right in the middle of that. Let's pray. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.